Last Mass, I finished uh, six minutes early, and uh, Green Bay doesn't kick off till 1.30, so I, I think I'm just gonna extend my homily a little bit longer. <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation where you had to make a decision between two things you loved, uh, two things that were really good, good things, and you had to engage the, the turmoil of having to come to a decision. I believe some of that is, is operative in what's happening with Jesus today, right? So he asks, who do, you, who do you say that I am? Peter gets it right, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. The commonly held, as you know, the commonly held belief was the Messiah would be a person who would be sort of like a new King David, who would usher in a, a new prominence for all of Israel, right? I mean, get rid of the Romans, toss them out, would bring Israel back to not just economic uh, you know, prominence, but also militarily, etc. He'd be this great worldly liberator. So when Peter says, you're the Christ, that's kind of what he's thinking because that's pretty much what everybody was thinking. But then Jesus begins to teach what it means that he's the Christ. What does it really mean that he's going to liberate? And he talks about suffering and persecution and death and resurrection. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. You got it wrong, Jesus. God, you got it wrong. That's not the kind of Messiah we're looking for. This is the kind of Messiah we're looking for. You can't be a Messiah who dies, and Jesus knew exactly, of course. Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. You can't be a Messiah who dies. You need to be a Messiah who stays here with us, who liberates us. These are, these are your people. These are your, your family and friends. Stay with us. Liberate us. Heal us. Feed us. Do all these amazing things for us here and now. But don't talk about death and suffering. And the reason why Jesus calls Peter Satan is because the name Satan really it means a, a number of things, deceiver, tempter, right? One who would try to, uh, if you will, get him off of his mission, Jesus off of his mission. But for it to be tempting for Jesus, because Jesus can be tempted, could be tempted. For it to be tempting for Jesus, it had to be good. If we don't think something is good, it's not tempting. I just walked through the kitchen after the last Mass and saw all the boxes of donuts lined up for you. And then I saw one that said, chocolate long johns. I'll let you fill in the blank. It wouldn't be tempting if it wasn't good. So there's something that was appealing, of course, for Jesus that he would, you know, he would heal his beloved people, that he would, he would lead his people out of, out of this oppression from, from the Roman government or the empire, that he would 
save his people from hunger and disease and that he could fix it all right now. There's something that was tempting because it was good. And Jesus was faced with two goods. Do what, you know, everybody expected of him as the Messiah or do what his heavenly father expected of him. Now, for Jesus, this wasn't a hard decision because he was always in union with his father's will. So he knew right away that even though there was something appealing about being a worldly conqueror, as it were, um, that the father's will was far more important and the mission was far more important to definitively save his people as opposed to temporarily save his people, to save his people, all of his people from death and the effects of sin, to give them forgiveness and healing and reconciliation with his heavenly father was a greater good than merely a, a temporal sort of salvation, a worldly salvation. There's so many times in our lives, many times in our lives, when we are faced with two goods, two things we love, and we have to choose. And to say yes to one means saying no to the other. And when both of them look really, really great, it can be a wrenching, a heart-wrenching decision. It can, be, it can be real suffering. But you think, well, gosh, how can that be suffering? There's two goods. Well, because we know that if we move down this path, we'll never go down that path. There's a no. There's a giving up. There's a sacrifice. This is what Jesus means by taking up his cross. Because even in the goodness, there's going to be the cross. Now, how do we make the decision? Well, we make the decision based on the two things we love, and they're both good, which is the one that's going to bring the greatest good in that circumstance? Which one do we believe is going to bring the greatest good? Conversely, sometimes people find themselves in a situation where they're forced to make a decision between two things which aren't good really at all. And this is heart-wrenching in a whole different way. Here's a situation that I have to make a decision between not optimal, not optimal. In fact, suffering and suffering. And a lot of times people get locked into not making a decision because it's, it's frightening and it's difficult to figure out, right? I mean, obviously you want to choose the thing that you, the decision, you're going to make the decision that has the least amount of suffering, but you usually don't know. It's hard to tell. But nonetheless, you do know that a decision has to be made. It can be tricky. It can be difficult. It can be really scary. In both situations, there is the cross. Choosing between goods, choosing between evils, as it were. There's still the cross. Giving up something we love or accepting a certain amount of suffering that we really don't want. But this is how Jesus has deemed our existence in this life to be. 
He didn't redeem us, as it were, the easy way by just saying, don't worry about it, it's done, it's over, you're all forgiven. He redeemed us through sacrifice, through suffering, through persecution, through death. That's how he redeemed us. Ultimately then, resurrection. But there can be no resurrection without a death. And in our lives, what he's basically saying is, not just at the end of our life there's going to be death and then there's resurrection, but that in our lives there's going to be these mini deaths or crosses, that that's what it means to be a Christian, is to make some difficult decisions, sometimes very, very difficult decisions, but to take up our cross and to pursue what we believe to be the greatest good in our lives. So many times we're, we're put into these situations and it may not, it's, it's opaque, right? I mean, the decision is not always clear. Those are the hard ones. And so what do we do? Well, I think we pray a lot. I think we really ask. I mean, we ask other people, we get opinions. But then we really pray a lot and we say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I need your help. I need your guidance. We pray and we pray. And I found that personally, it always comes. The answer always comes. And I never like it. Because it's always the cross, right? I mean, it's in these situations, it's always the cross. It's always a bittersweet decision. But if we believe we're doing what God asks of us, even though there's this bittersweet taste, there's the certitude, the knowledge, the belief that we're following his will which is the goal, which is the mark of a Christian. And so if you're in one of these spaces right now where you have to do this, or don't worry, you will be, have courage, have hope, trust and believe that the Lord Jesus is with you, is guiding you, has not abandoned you, and will lead you through that desert into a promised land that maybe you had not expected. Please stand.